0: Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service.
1: Uh, well, good evening, everyone. Um, my name is Isabel. For those who don't know me, um, it's my privilege to open God's Word today. Um, tonight we will be reading from Leviticus chapter 16 verses 1 to 34 that's Leviticus chapter 16 verses 1 to 34 the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron who died when they approached the Lord the Lord said to Moses tell your brother Aaron that he is not to come whenever he chooses into the most holy place behind the curtain, in front of the atonement cover on the ark, or else he will die. For I will appear in the cloud over the atonement cover. This is how Aaron is to enter the most holy place. He must first bring a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He is to put on the sacred linen tunic with linen undergarments next to his body. He is to tie the linen sash around him And put on the linen turban. These are sacred garments, so he must bathe himself with water before he puts them on. From the Israelite community, he is to take two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Aaron is to offer the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household. Then he is to take two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. He is to cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord and sacrifice it for a sin offering. But the goat chosen by Lot as a scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used for making atonement by sending it into the wilderness as a scapegoat. Aaron shall bring the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household, and he is to slaughter the bull for his own sin offering. He is to take a censer full of burning coals from the altar before the Lord, and two handfuls of finely ground fragrant incense, and take them behind the curtain. He is to put the incense on the fire before the Lord, and the smoke of the incense will conceal the atonement cover above the tablets of the covenant law, so that he will not die. He shall take some of the bull's blood and um, with his finger sprinkle it on the front of the atonement cover. Then he shall sprinkle some of it with his finger seven times before the atonement cover. He shall then slaughter the goat for the sin offering for the people and take its blood behind the curtain and do with it as he did with the bull's blood. He shall sprinkle it on the atonement cover and in front of it. In this way, he will make atonement for the most holy place. Because of the uncleanliness and rebellion of the Israelites, whatever their sins have been. He is to do the same for the tent of meeting, which is among them in the midst of their uncleanliness. No one is to be in the tent of meeting from the time Aaron goes in to make atonement in the most holy place um, until he comes out, having made atonement for himself, his household, and the whole community of Israel. Then he shall come come out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it. He shall take some of the bull's blood and some of the goat's blood and put it on the horns of the altar. He shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times to cleanse it and consecrate it from the uncleanliness of the Israelites. When Aaron has finished making atonement for the most holy place, the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall bring forward the live goat. He is to lay both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all their sins, and put them on the goat's head. He shall send the goat away into the wilderness in the care of someone appointed for the task. The goat will carry on itself all the sins to a remote place, and the man shall release it to the wilderness. Then Aaron is to go into the tent of meeting and take off the linen garment he put on before he entered the most holy place. And he is to leave them there. He shall bathe himself with water in the sanctuary area and put on his regular garments. Then he shall come out and sacrifice the burnt offering for himself and the burnt offering for the people to make atonement for himself and for the people. He shall also burn the fat of the sin offering on the altar. The man who releases the goat as a scapegoat must wash his clothes and bathe himself with water. Afterward, he may come into the camp. The bull and the goat for the sin offering, whose blood was brought into the most holy place to make atonement, must be taken outside the camp. Their hides, flesh and intestines are to be burned up. The man who burns them must wash his clothes and bathe himself with water. Afterward, he may come into the camp. This is to be a lasting ordinance for you. On the tenth day of the seventh month, you must deny yourselves and not do any work whether native-born or a foreigner, residing among you, because on this day atonement will be made for you, to cleanse you. Then before the Lord you will be clean from all your sins. It is a day of Sabbath rest, and you must deny yourself. It is a lasting ordinance. The priest who is anointed and ordained to succeed his father as high priest is to make atonement. He is to put on the sacred linen garments and make atonements for the most holy place, for the tent of meeting and the altar, and for the priests and all the members of the community. This is to be a lasting ordinance for you. Atonement is to be made once a year for all the sins of the Israelites. And it was done as the Lord commanded Moses.
2: My name is Louisa and I'll be doing the second reading for tonight, which is Hebrews 9, verses 11 to 15. Hebrews 9, verses 11 to 15. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands, that is to say, is not part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place, once for all, by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption." The blood of goats and bulls and ashes of a heifer, sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more, then, will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God? For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant.
0: Well, thank you for those readings. There's a lot in uh, both of them and uh, we're going to explore some of that tonight. Uh, My name's Ron. It's great to be amongst you. If you're new or visiting with us, I'd love to get to know you at some point. Uh, for those of you that know me a bit more, you may know that just a couple of weeks ago my daughter was married and it was a wonderful day, just a great celebration, uh, incredible weather and just a, a glorious day. But I got, surprisingly, it took me by surprise, I got a mild case of post-wedding blues. Uh, and as I reflected on that, I realised that actually... There's a great joy in parenting. For those who have been through it, you get what I'm talking about. For those who it's before you, it will come. And there's a great joy in parenting. And one of the great joys, there's some hardship as well. You might have figured that out. But one of the great joys is being able to give or provide for your children when they have great need, when there's nothing that they can do. From the time of changing nappies, I wouldn't really call that a joy, but being able to give to them what they need and to watch as they grow. Now, my children had been functioning as healthy, mature, independent adults for some time, which is why it took me by surprise that I was in this state of post-wedding blues. But I think for me, the wedding was a line in the sand. My youngest child, my daughter, no longer would it be that I was and Julie were her next of kin, but now she has this other man who she goes to first, who the law goes to first. And I was just coming to grips with that. And in fact, more than just a line in the sand, it occurred to me that this was a moment of reversal. That whereas up to this point in life, they had been fully dependent on me and a bit less and a bit less, Over the past couple of years, I've become more dependent on them for some things, like technology, as an example. And it struck me that in years to come, I would become even more dependent on them, that I would have nothing and I would look to them to give to help me. When they had nothing or now when I have nothing, we look to someone else to give. In fact, when we realise we have nothing, we need someone else to give. Leviticus has been teaching us that uh, Israel is constantly in a state of impurity and sin. And God had given them this uh, offering system really kindly to them, but it actually doesn't fix the core of the problem. It allows them to stay in God's presence, which is important, but it doesn't fix the core of the issue. But today, as we keep going through the book of Leviticus, we come to the very centre of Leviticus, which is also the centre of what's known as the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And the central point of this chapter, of chapter 16, The centre of the centre, the point is this, when Israel has nothing, God gives. At the very centre we find what's called the Day of Atonement. And atonement is God's gift to his people who have nothing to ensure that God's presence stays among them. And actually to understand chapter 16, we jump forward to chapter 17, verse 11, which is up on the screen. And it says, the life of the creature is in the blood and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourself. Atonement is God's gift to the people. It's not something that they are doing to appease him. Now, it's easy to get lost in all the detail of everything that happens on the day of atonement as we heard read. But the key takeaway is as simple as that, atonement is God's gift for his people. When they have nothing, God gives. And that's why God gives the detailed instructions. Aaron's sons had just been scorched for approaching the presence of God in the wrong way. And so God gives instructions through Moses to Aaron and then to his descendants that they might have confidence for how to approach God, for particularly for this very significant moment of atonement. And we see in the story that uh, uh, Aaron has to go in and provide an offering for himself and for his own family for their sin. But in addition to that, Aaron has to change his normal clothing. So normally he'd be in priestly garments and we looked at these a few weeks ago. But on this particular day, he trades those priestly garments for something that's much more humble. Not only does he make the offerings for his own family, but he dresses himself in simple yet sacred linen tunic, sash and turban for the day of atonement. God gives Aaron this incredible gift of coming into his presence but he requests Aaron to come in humility and to come in on God's terms. Now, central to everything that happens on this day is two male goats. And so I thought it would be good for us to understand this story to actually have a couple of goats with us today. So I arranged a couple of goats. I found some that wouldn't cause such a mess. So here they are, goat one and goat two. And they are central to what happens here. Uh, they make a sin offering between them on this particular day. So after making atonement for himself and his household, Aaron takes the two goats and he brings them to the entrance of the tent of meeting. Notice he doesn't take them into the tent of meeting. And there, at the tent, entrance of the tent of meeting. The significance of that is that he's presenting them to the Lord who is in the tent in the Holy of Holies, at the back of the tent. And he's presenting them to the Lord so that he can be instructed about which of these goats has which role on the day. And the way that he works out what God wants is through casting of lots. And so I thought, well, let's cast lots for these goats. Now, I know what's in these. You could probably work it out pretty quickly too. But I don't know which one's which, right? So we're going to cast lots right now. The goat on my... Oh, this... To the left or right, you get to vote. Who says left? My left. Who says right? Oh, that's good. Who's indifferent? Yeah, most people actually were going for the right. So this one goes to the goat on my right. And we will find out which lot has been cast for this particular goat. And it is for the Lord. You wouldn't believe this. Three times I've done this today, and three times that's the one that was chosen. <laughs> Do with that what you, uh, what you will. Now, in this one, it should not say the same thing if I've done my prep accurately. If I haven't, this is going to be really embarrassing, and uh, the whole illustration will fall apart. For Azazel, now you might go, who's Azazel? Just for the scapegoat at the moment, we'll come back to that. There we are. The two goats have been designated their particular tasks for today. And then Aaron is told that uh, having already made an uh, offer, offering for himself, he is then to bring the goat that the lot fell to the Lord and he's to sacrifice it as a sin offering. And so that goat is sacrificed. Now, the details of what happens are all there for you to read in Leviticus chapter 16. But rather than go through them, I want us to stay zoomed up a bit and actually think about what's going on here in the story. So we'll come back to that goat in a moment. But first, what actually is atonement? Often we think of atonement as the paying of a ransom for death and that's right, that is what atonement is. But that definition by itself raises questions for us when we read Leviticus 16 and also when we read some earlier parts of Leviticus. And the question is this, why are inanimate objects being atoned for? What ransom is being paid for them? Why do they need atonement? Why do they need ransom? What debt do they owe? And the problem is that while ransom for death is a right metaphor to link with atonement, it's not the only one. There's another metaphor that we need to associate in our minds with atonement and that metaphor is about purification. Purification needs to happen for people but also for objects. And the reason objects need to be purified is that sin isn't just a wrong against people or a wrong against God. Sin pollutes the environment that we're in. Sin stains everything, including inanimate objects. And because sin stains everything, the environment needs cleansing for God, for his presence to remain amongst God's people. And so when the people had nothing, God gives. And what God gives here is the life of a blameless goat as the substitute life that God accepts and the blood of the blameless goat enables purification. Now that takes us to the next question, which is why blood? Because we think of blood as a bit dirty and gross, don't we? But blood for the people in Israel was thought of a bit different. Again, Leviticus 17.11 tells us that the life of a creature is in the blood. Blood is associated with... With life. The best analogy I can think of in our world is if you go to donate blood, you're doing what? Giving life. And that's how blood is understood in Leviticus. God accepts the blood of a blameless representative on behalf of sinful people. And that blameless blood, the blood of the blameless one, purifies, cleanses, from sin its life is substituted for ours now it's really important to understand that this is not fair it's not right that that goat had to die the people deserved to die but god gives this gift to them when the people have nothing god gives them this gift of substitution that purification might happen, that life might replace death and that he, God, the holy God, can stay dwelling amongst his people. This is God's gift to Israel. But the order of purification is also instructive. Note the direction. When Aaron sacrifices this goat, what does he do with the blood? Notice that he doesn't start from the entrance of the tent of meeting and gradually go in, purifying things on the way, hoping that his purification will appease God so that he will eventually be able to enter into the most holy place. That's not what happens. Rather, what happens is Aaron takes the blood of this goat and he goes straight in, straight in to the very presence of God straight into the most holy place, behind the curtain. And from there, he provides atonement, bit by bit on the way out. Purification, symbolising that this is from God toward the people, not from the people toward God. Aaron is not appeasing God with this act of purification. Purification is God's gift to his people. The people have nothing, but God gives them purification. And as Aaron moves out of the temple, there's another layer going on here as well. The tabernacle was orientated west, where the Holy of Holies was, out to the east. And as Aaron moves from west to east, he is also reminding the Israelite reader of another story, of a story that took place at the start of the Torah, a story that took place in the Garden of Eden. For there in the Garden of Eden, the people dwelt with God. They were in his presence all the time. And then they sinned. And do you remember what happened when they sinned? They were banished from the presence of God out of the garden to the east. And in the east is where the barrier was put up that they could not come back in. And now Aaron goes from the west to the east purifying so that the people won't have to leave God's presence but will be able to stay in the presence of God. On the Day of Atonement, Aaron enacts a different story to the one in their history that started all this mess. Rather than exiling the people at the eastern entrances they deserve, Aaron moves east atoning for sin. And when Aaron gets to the easternmost point, from the holy of holies, the holy place, through the tent to the altar, he gets the live goat. And when he gets the live goat, this is what the NIV refers to as the scapegoat. But the ESV translates it, I think, much more helpfully, Azazel. Azazel means strong spiritual being, and that's the literal meaning of the word, the Hebrew word that's used here. Strong spiritual being. The one in competition with the Lord. One goat for the Lord, one for Azazel. Not as an offering to Azazel, be clear so what is the purpose of this goat this goat that's designated for the one in opposition to Yahweh the one that's designated for another word for that one is the snake in the garden the devil Satan now to help us here I need a volunteer oh gee everyone's very nervous aren't they Jackie good on you come on down Pete was almost here but Jackie's so keen no, no, you're, you're in. Now, Jackie, personal question. Have you had a shower today? Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, no, awesome. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, once you've done this task, because this is a dirty task, I have to have another one. You, before you come back in, you have to <laughs> cleanse yourself, okay? Mm-hmm. All right? Okay. Just, run with, just run with it. Yeah. You, know, you know what I'm doing, yeah. okay? That, this person has to cleanse himself before they come into the camp. It's a really important task. You need to be ready. Have you just warm yourself up, because when I tell you to go, you're going to go. Okay, Aaron lays both his hands on the head of this goat. And as he lays his hands on them, it's symbolic just in the way we might lay hands on someone today. It's a sign of togetherness. But what what Aaron is together with this goat is he is transferring symbolically the sin, the transgression, the wickedness of the people of Israel onto this goat. He confesses over it with both his hands, pressed down on this goat's head. So now the sin of Israel is symbolically transferred onto this goat. I've got a question for you. If you're the people of Israel, do you want this goat to stay here? I don't. Do you want this goat to run the risk of going in there? No chance. Imagine what would happen there. So your job is to get rid of this goat. And when I say get rid of, I mean right away from us. Way out into the wilderness, Jackie. Mm-hmm. Probably to the fence at New Line Road. That far away. Okay. Out on the green. Not to my place. Not, that's, that's beyond the wilderness, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take it. Go. Get it out of our presence there goes the sin of all of the people and the people are watching on this isn't just drama that I'm creating I'm trying to recreate the drama of this day that the people see that goat being led away and know that it's going to the wilderness to a remote place and as it goes it goes with a message the message to Azazel An apt message to him. Basically saying, Azazel, here's the crap that you've created in the world. Here's the stuff that you've brought in. And now it is going back to you. You deal with it. It's no longer on us. God is saying to Azazel, this is your problem. It's not the problem of my people anymore. I've done away with it. Now the other thing that's happening here is that notice the direction that the goat goes. It keeps going to the east and the psalmist picks up on this picture beautifully when the psalmist says, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove Our transgressions from us. Do you see what's happening? God has dealt with the sin of his people. When Israel have nothing, God gives. And when we have nothing, God gives. Like the people of Israel, we are so aware of our imperfections and sin. Who of us is able even to live up to our own standards, let alone the standards of a holy God? Who of us can do that in and of ourselves? But God has given to us the one who lived a perfect life, the one who was spotless and blameless, unlike the rest of us. He was tempted by Satan Remember where he was tempted? In the wilderness. He was tempted by Satan. Yet he resisted sin and remained pure. Unlike the rest of us, he is spotless and blameless, without blemish or defect. And unlike the rest of us, he is the innocent one who John says becomes the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for our sins, but for the sin of the whole world. We have nothing. Death awaits us in and of ourselves. And not just death, but eternal separation from God, the holy God. But when we have nothing, God gives. And when we have nothing, God gives Jesus, Jesus, God comes amongst us himself in the person of Jesus who says he comes to give his life as a what? A ransom for many. God gives us Jesus. You can't atone for yourself, but God in Jesus atones for you. In giving his life, Jesus bears our sins in his body on the cross, just like the goat that got taken away with the sin on it. Jesus goes out of the city, crucified outside the city, bearing our sin in his body on the cross. Jesus takes our sin away from us. And he doesn't just do it for a year so that someone has to repeat the process 12 months later. Rather, Jesus does it permanently. Hebrews 4 tells us that Jesus entered the most holy place once and for all by his blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. If you are in Jesus, he is atoned for you once and for all. You don't need to be atoned for again and again and again because Jesus' blood, his blameless, pure, perfect blood is sufficient for all your atonement. Nothing more is needed. Jesus has done it all. Jesus' blood gives us life. Jesus' blood makes us clean. You know, in the book of Leviticus, the people of Israel are told not to eat blood because it's life. But Jesus invites us to drink in remembrance of his blood. He invites us to participate in his blood. Participate in his perfect, blameless life given as a substitute for us the life by which we are atoned. But here's the thing. Sometimes what we do, hearing and understanding atonement, sometimes what we do is we go, that's fantastic. Now I just need to try and make my way back to God. Great, Jesus has atoned for me. I just need to get a bit better and better as a Christian so I can Friends, we cannot atone for ourselves. We need to be humbled and accept that we can't do it. But the good news of atonement is that when we can't do it, God gives. If you're here tonight and you aren't a follower of Jesus, you need to hear this simple message. You can't do anything except accept the gift of Jesus' atonement for you. He can make you pure. He can make you clean. He can take your sin away. You can't do it. But even for those of us who know and love and follow Jesus, we need to hear this message again and again and again and again and again for ourselves, don't we? Because if you're anything like me or every other Christian I know, you beat yourself up. You tell yourself that you're not good enough. And when you tell yourself that, you know what you're doing? You're listening to the lies of Azazel. He again is stirring up trouble. Who in the Israelite camp was unworthy of the gift of atonement. Who got kicked out of the camp before the Day of Atonement? Do you remember reading that in the instructions to Aaron? Kick out the people that aren't worth No one got kicked out. Because you are valuable and made in the image of God, you are worthy of atonement. Not in and of yourself, but because Jesus gives for you. Because he is innocent. And friends, next time you are tempted to beat yourself up because you think you need to be a better Christian to somehow get a bit closer to God, remind yourself that Jesus has paid it all. Don't accept the lie of the evil one. Sure, there might be things you want to repent from, but that's not going to make you clean and pure. Only, only the blood of Jesus can do that. In a little while, we're going to sing a song called uh, Rock of Ages. And it reminds us that because of him, we who had nothing actually have everything. It puts it this way Not the labours of my hands can fulfil your law's demands. I can't do it. Could my zeal no respite show? Could could I just be zealous as anything else and never fade in my zeal? Or could my tears forever flow? Could I be full of sorrow over all my sin and wickedness and evil? All of that for sin would not atone. You must save. And you alone. And then he moves into our response to this incredible message of God's love for us. And it says, nothing, nothing in my hand I bring. I've got nothing. Simply to your cross I cling. Naked, come to you for dress. Helpless. Look to you for grace. Stained by sin. To you I cry. Wash me, Saviour, or I die. Wash us, Saviour, or we die. Lord Jesus, thank you that you have washed us with your perfect, pure, innocent, righteous blood. Thank you that when we had nothing, you gave everything. And thank you that now, we who had nothing, have everything because of you. Thank you for the atonement that you have won for us. We praise you, Jesus. We worship you. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St. Matt's West Benton Hills 6pm congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmats.org.au and be sure to subscribe
1: to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.